Good to see everybody. Yeah. This is great to be here this morning. Good crowd. It always is a good crowd, but a good crowd this morning is especially. Um, we were wondering, uh, we didn't think anybody be here, be, everybody be deer hunting this morning. Is that right? No, you're better than that, aren't you? Well, good morning. We are, I'm going to be preaching this morning from Hebrews chapter 12, verse 14. Hebrews chapter 12. Starting verse 14. I'm going to call this sermon today and next Sunday. It's really too much sermon to preach in one time, so I'll preach it in two Sundays. Call The Unshakable Life. An Unshakable Life. This will be part one. Start out by reminding us or speaking of the fact that we do live in, a, in the middle of a huge national shaking. Our, our nation is being shaken. Uh, in multiple ways, uh, our recent elections have revealed just how divided our nation truly is. Um, this morning, as I was driving to church, I was listening to the radio, and some reports are coming in still, uh, uh, just, you know, analyzing the voting patterns, etc. And one of the main groups that voted nearly 70% of the 20-somethings voted... Uh, as a block, almost 20, almost 70% of them voted as a block and actually turned the election uh, in the, the direction that it went, which reveals a much more divided nation than, than, than we might think because us old boomers, we've voted pretty much as a block ourselves, but it wasn't like the 20-somethings voted. It's in a, it's in a different direction. Um, you know, basically, I am an optimistic person. I truly am. That's my nature. Uh, I'm a glass half full kind of guy. But as I think about the future of our nation and understanding the demographics that are changing and how the voting patterns are changing, it does give me concern for the future of our nation as we try to deal with these changing and shaky times. Inflation is eroding our retirements. Um, eroding our IRA, eroding our money, our, our spending ability. Food prices, anybody been to the store lately? Food prices are crazy. My daughter is, has five children and under, uh, under 10 years of age, and uh, uh, what she spent last week on groceries, I've bought cars cheaper, you know. <laughs> I'm thinking, my soul and body... Um, Anyway, we are truly in a time of change. Now, the counterpoint for this unsteadiness, this shakiness that our world is experiencing, the counterpoint for that is that there is an unshakable kingdom coming. There is an unshakable kingdom already here at work in the lives of God's children. And if you are built upon the rock, if your life is is built upon the, on Christ, upon His Word... You are already an unshakable person. doesn't matter what this world does, how it shakes you, you will be strong and you will stand firm because everything, I believe, that can be shaken is going to be shaken. I believe we're in a time of shaking, not just an earthquake stuff. I'm talking about social, financial, religious, uh, pick out a category. We're in a time of, of great, great shaking. Uh, I've discovered with my life, uh, now that I'm in my, you know, like this, 
I have discovered that that about the time I get some of the life's, life's answers to some, they change all the questions. And so that's kind of where I find myself today. I'm trying to figure out what the questions are anymore. I used to know the answers, but don't have them any longer. Um, will a newly elected government make any difference? Uh, my biggest concerns, what worries me the most, is that we no longer live in a democ- democracy or federal system. We've never been a democracy. If you've studied political science, we're not a democracy. But we are a federal uh, representative type government. But I'm, my concern is that we're no longer that either. Uh, I think they go ahead and let us vote, but I don't know that it matters. I don't know that it changes much because we are living in an oligarchy. Are you familiar with that term? Run by governments, uh, big businesses and big corporations. I think that's truly what's running our governments today. So, uh, well, of course, Eisenhower warned us about that back in in my day. Um, But one day, a big shakeup is coming, and the oligarchies and the big fat cats sitting in the banks in Manhattan, in the corner offices, and all around the world, there's a shaking coming. And uh, if any of them are listening this morning, I want to warn them. There is a shaking coming. And uh, everything in this world that can be shaken will be, except what is built upon the rock of ages, and it will stand. And you can be sure of that. So just be sure you've built upon the rock, upon Jesus Christ, and he is the rock. He never changes. He's the same yesterday, today, and forever. There are two stories we're going to bring in, <clears throat> excuse me, <clears throat> two stories we're going to bring into play today that will carry the message. That We'll start it today. We'll finish it next Sunday. But it carries these two stories the Hebrew writers brings in to help us carry the message of, of, uh, of shaking and of being able to stand solidly and, and what, what those sorts of issues. They're Jacob and Esau and the two mountains, the mountain Sinai and the Mount of Zion or Moriah or Jerusalem. And we're, I'll talk about those in detail today. In case you aren't sure what those mean yet, we will go back and pick them out and, and color them. We'll color within the lines. We'll, we'll get them colored pretty good today. <clears throat> what we're going to do with these two stories, what the Bible writer of Hebrews is doing, is he's trying to show you and me how to live unshakable lives, how to live, how to live when the world is shaking and falling down around us. How do we remain solid and, and founded upon the rock? So that's what we're going to look at today. So when the big shaking comes, we can stand upon the solid rock. If somebody were to ask you when you get home today, what did the preacher say? You can say, he said that when the big shaking comes, we can stand firm if we stand on the solid rock. You can tell them that. So how does that work? What's that like? Uh, I won't get to, to cover deeply in detail everything I want to do today. That's what next Sunday. But I'm going to start by saying, If you want to be a person that cannot be shaken, you need to pursue peace. You need to chase peace. You need to let peace be your goal, living with peace. And I'm going to define that, and I may shock you today as we talk about some of the things that that, uh, are not peaceful, and we think are peace, but they're not. And I'm going to talk about what we really need to do if we're going to live with peace and pursue peace. It may surprise you. As we go through this, so let's begin by reading, Gen- uh, sorry, uh, Hebrews chapter twelve, 
verse 14, Hebrews 12, 14. Make every effort. How many efforts are we to make? It does about all of them, isn't it? I mean, that don't mean that's not leaving any out, right? Make every effort to live in peace with everyone, <laughs> not just the good guys and the bad guys, with everyone, and to be holy. We should have left that out too. Without holiness, no one will see the Lord. Oh, guys, I'm going to tell you right now, that there's more than I'll ever have time to preach today. I mean, that's, there's so much in that. But I'm not going to dive into that at this moment. I want to start telling you the stories of the two stories that are going to carry the narrative today. And the first is Jacob and Esau. They were the sons of Isaac and Rebekah. They were twins. Uh, they were born, of course. One was born uh, moments before the, the other. Uh, the firstborn was named Esau. He was the first to, to come to be born. And when his brother Jacob was born, he had hold of Esau's heel. Isn't that odd? He was born holding on to Esau's heel. And there they call him heel grabber was another of his names because he was grabbing the heel. It also was more of a, had more of a connotation of a con man or a, of a conniver or a, a grasper, uh, whatever that means. But, but he was, that was the connotation there of being a, a heel grabber. So Esau was first, Jacob was second, and these twins were born. They were different, as, as different as you could possibly imagine. One of them was fair-skinned. Uh, he was, uh, he, Jacob was uh, kind of a homebody. Uh, he, he was his mama's favorite. Uh, I always tell people, he's the one that stayed home and watched the cooking shows on TV. <laughs> you know, I mean, that's, that's what he did. And... Uh, he could decorate the house well. You see where we're going with this? So, and this is Jacob, okay? And he's, uh, that's the first, or the second born. But the first born was Esau. And he was a not so smooth skin. He was hairy. And I mean hairy enough that a goat skin fooled his father. Are you, you see where I'm going with this? Because his mom <laughs> had a goat skin and put it on, on Jacob's arms to fool dad later to get the blessing. We'll get to that in a moment. But it tells us about the hairiness of Esau. He was like half goat. <laughs> and uh, that, that's how hairy he was, like an animal. Anyway, so one day Esau, the hairy one, had been out hunting, and uh, he came back in from the hunt. Uh, like some of your husbands and your brothers or wives or whatever will come in today from hunting deer, and they'll be hungry, and they'll want something to eat. He, was, he thought, you know, when I'm hungry, it's the hungriest I've ever been. Nobody in the world's ever been as hungry as I am when I'm hungry. Anyway, that's what my wife says anyway. So she, makes, she says, I make it up, it sounds so bad. Anyway, so Esau came home, and he was starving to death. And Jacob had been cooking. He'd been cooking. And so he had a, a lentil stew. I don't know what that means. I don't, it doesn't matter. Cornbread and beans, I don't know. Ham, sweet potatoes, you know. Is there anybody getting hungry? Okay. And so 
he had that, had that wonderful meal cooking there, and Esau came in. He was starving to death. He said, I'm dying, I'm dying. Give me something to eat. And Jacob said, will you give me your birthright? He said, I will give you my birthright if you could give me something to eat. He said, deal. So he traded his birthright for a bowl of lentil stew. Okay, that's called the Esau syndrome. And that Esau syndrome is afoot in our world today. Some of you, and some of you listening by video and by the internet, you may know people who have experienced that and live by the Esau syndrome. What is that? Well, it's when you will trade your future for something temporary. You'll trade long-term for short-term. It's the Esau syndrome. And see, our world today is trading their future. Do you know what happens when you run up a credit card bill? You're trading your future for your present. You get it now. You get the instant gratification, but then comes the credit card payments. And that's just one category. We are a culture that trades now feeling good for later. We're not so, we want the cake. We don't eat, we want to eat the icing before we eat the cake. It's that we're, we've got our world upside down. And if you want your world to ever be right and you want it to be peaceful, you must not have the Esau syndrome. You have to learn how to live uh, within your means. You have to learn how to manage your money, and not, not just in money, but there are other issues in other areas. Okay, so that was the story. So he traded his future for a present, for, his, for something that temporarily Scratched his itch. And we've got to learn from that and not, not uh, uh, exemplify that in our lives. Because if you want to be unshakable and you want to be solid, you have to have a good understanding and you have to be living in the present, not in the, fu- not in the future, not in the past. You have to learn to not trade, but to do the hard thing now. Do the hard things first and, and, and don't worry about the future Leave that in God's hands. All right. So work hard at getting along with people too. Um, It's important. If you are going to be an unshakable person, you have to learn to get along with people and with God. Oh, really? You got to learn. You mean I have to get along with God? Absolutely. And see, some people are angry at God. Some people don't trust him. Some people are, are uh, frustrated that how God is, they think God's treated them certain ways. And they've not, they're not getting along with him. If you want to be solid in your life and not shakable, you have, to get, you have to get right with God. Don't be angry at him or your brothers and sisters. So there's so much of the uh, animosity going on in families and in communities and churches and city and groups of people. You have to learn to be at peace with everyone. Now, if you're the person, the kind of person that's constantly at odds with everybody else, you know who I'm talking about. I mean, you're just always you're just looking for a fight. You know, if you're you know if you're that kind of person, you're going to be shakable. You're going to be shaky. You're never going to get solid. Stable people are built upon the rock. Now, let's go back to the to the text we read. It starts out by saying, "Make every effort." Make every effort. And I asked you when I was reading, well, what does that mean? And you told me it means prioritize, number one, prioritize this issue. Make every effort. Now, guys, 
I'm going to, this is going to be hard for me to explain to you because it's going to be so counterintuitive. You see, so many of us believe as long as we're just nice, we'll cause peace. That could be, that's an absolute lie. You see, well, if y'all just be nice and try to get along with everybody, just never make any waves, just be nice, then I'm doing exactly what the Bible says. You're not doing what the Bible says by just being nice. You can't just go along to get along. You have to stand up on the truth. You have to live the truth. You have to tell the truth. You have to speak truth to power. You have to be able to, to say what is right and what, not, and what is wrong. Now, we do it in loving ways. We do it in, in considerate ways, in brotherly, as in brotherly love, but we cannot just go through life being nice. We have to stand for something. See, um, passive, limp-wristed avoidance of Christ, of, of confrontation, it doesn't solve it. We have to, to deal with issues. And Christians are really bad at burying our heads in the sand, hoping it'll blow away or blow over. We have to be the people of God who says, thus says the Lord. Now, that is not what you were thinking about peace, was it? Well, let me take, let's go a little further. America was founded by whom? By people who went to war. Right? Who do we go to war with? England, for our freedom, to to separate from them. So we had to go to war to fight for our freedom. And since then, so many of you men and women have had to go to war uh, in World War I, World War II, Korea. I mean, uh, you know, just pick out your, your war. We had to go to war. What was that all about? To provide for our peace. You had to fight and die for peace. So when he says here, make every effort, he's not playing some little card game, is he? He's very serious of the extent we need to go to to make peace. Well, you can't surely mean I I have to go to make peace with my brother or sister. You know what they said about me and what they did? Yeah, make every effort. I mean, you pick out the people you're mad at. Make every effort to have peace. Okay, I'm going to leave it alone because I can see you're getting mad at me now. <laughs> and be holy. Hmm. Again, I said, I, sometimes I wish they'd left that out of the Bible because I never have been holy my whole life. I've never been. I don't, I don't think I'll ever be holy. I want to be holy. But you see, I know that my holiness only depends upon Jesus Christ. I am holy in him. I'm not holy in Scotty because I know me. I know what I think. I know how I act. I know it's not holy. I want it to be. I wish it were. I get up every day thinking I want it to be that way, but then my feet get on the ground. And I find that I'm not as holy as I'd like to be. But in Christ... I have substituted my attempt at holiness for his perfection of holiness. So he says, and be holy. See to it that nobody falls short of the grace so that no bitter root may grow up. Now, then it talks about sexual immorality, uh, and that was pretty much defined by Esau. 
Esau was, we, we now as we read the Bible, sexually immoral. Uh, he, went, he found two women and married them that were not in the family, two, two women, and married them and had children. And, and out of his children became the Edomites. Uh, Jacob, of course, we know, married, became Israel, and out of him came the 12 sons of Israel, the 12, tri- 12 tribes that came out of him. So we've, we know that he says that we are to, let me just read it. See that no one is sexually immoral or is godless like Esau, who for a single meal sold his inheritance rights as, his, as the oldest son. Afterwards, as you know, he wanted to inherit the blessing when he, reject, when he was rejected, even though he sought the blessing with tears. He could not change what he had done. Okay, I think we've got enough of that story. I think that's, we're going to leave it there. But that, that story will help us as we pursue peace. We have to remember how that worked. And uh, let's move and not go for that Esau syndrome and, and, uh, and not try to just be nice, but to, to be godly and, 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 uh, and stand up for what's right. Now let's go to the next one. And this one is the two mountains. These, the first is the mountain of Sinai. And when I read verse 18 through 21, you're going you're gonna to see it's describing Moses' first appearance, first coming to Mount Sinai. Remember the children of Israel left Egypt? They wandered there in the wilderness for a while, but they came pretty close, pretty straight to Mount Sinai. They camped around it and lived around it then while Moses went up on the mountain and got the Ten Commandments from God, etc. God gave great instructions. There was a whole lot went on there. As you read this, there may be things that went on you weren't even aware of. Let's read verse 18. You've not come to a mountain that can be touched, and that is burning with fire, to darkness and gloom and storm, to a trumpet blast, or to such a voice speaking words that those who heard it begged that no further words be spoken to them. Let's stop there. You see, this, this is describing the mountain. When they came there, boy, I mean, tell you what, this wasn't no party. This wasn't a picnic. It was gloom and doom and lightning and, and trumpets blasting and dark clouds. It was a scary thing because God was given the law. He was laying, as we would say, he was laying the law down. All right? He was telling us Ten Commandments, how to live, how not to live. That was what, what was going on there. So much so that verse 19 tells us that the people there around the mountain asked God to shut up. Please don't tell us anymore. We can't take it anymore. Read it. Read verse 19 there. We can't take it anymore. He begged them that no further word would be spoken to them. Verse 20. Because they could not bear what was commanded. If even an animal touched the mountain, it must be stoned to death. The, the, night was, the sight was so terrifying that Moses said, I am trembling with fear. Okay, so this is Mount Sinai. This is the mountain where God gave the law, where God laid down the law, all right? And if you touch the mountain, you'd, it was a cut and dried. It was one plus one equals two law. It was no debate. I mean, here it is. You do this or suffer the consequences. That's the law. Now, you say, why are you going to all the trouble telling me this? I'm going to try to show you how to live in peace. Because if you try to live by law, by legality, I'm talking about religiously. If you try to make God love you, 
by obeying absolutely the word of the law, making go to church every Sunday. Lord, I went to church every Sunday. You've got to love me and let me into heaven. Lord, I gave money to the poor people. I gave money to church. Lord, are you going to love me because I did all these things? God said, man, I loved you before you did all that. I loved you anyway, okay? That's Zion. Now let's go to Zion because you need to hear the contrast. He's contrasting the Mount of Mount uh, of. The, the holy mountain of God, Mount Sinai, and now we're going to come to Mount Zion or Jerusalem. Let's read verse 22. But you have come to Mount Zion, to the city of the living God, the heavenly Jerusalem. You've come to thousands upon thousands of angels in joyful assembly, the church of the firstborn, whose names are written in heaven. You've come to God, the judge of all, to the spirits of the righteous made perfect. To Jesus, the mediator of a new covenant, and to the sprinkled blood that speaks a better word than the blood of Abel. All right. So you got the two mountains. Sinai, lightning, gloom, doom. Touch the mountain and you die. Live in my way or the highway. I mean, it was, you know, boom. And then you come to Zion. What happened on Zion? Well, that's where Jesus was crucified. And where he died for your sins, where grace is given, where, where you, you, he paid for your sins, and that's, that's where grace comes. And that's where you're going, you're going to have to come if you find this peace that keeps you from being shaken. You come to, to Mount Moriah, to, to where Jesus was crucified. There is Zion. Those are the two mountains. Let me conclude quickly here. God is going to shake everything. I think we're beginning to see a planet-wide shaking. I don't mean just Western cultures. I'm talking about the Eastern cultures and everybody. I mean, all the world is being shaken. The Japanese, the Chinese, the, the Russians, the Ukrainians, uh, you know, pick out a country. There's great shaking. South America is being shaken. America is being, we're, we're just being shaken and quite honestly, coming apart at the seams because of this shaking. So we live in that time. As we near the end of the church age, As we, we're going to see more and more of these kinds of shaking. And that's why I'm so excited about what Ashton and, and, and Austin are going to be working with us as we teach each other skills and trades and, and plans and ideas because we may come through a time when what they're going to be working with us to do might save our families and might save lives as we learn these skills, these, I'm going to call them latter-day skills. It may be important to do that. So just make sure you're standing on the rock. Make sure you're on the solid rock when the shaking starts because there is an unshakable kingdom coming. Let me read verse 28. Therefore, since we are receiving a kingdom that cannot be shaken... Let us be thankful and so worship God acceptably with reverence and awe so that for our God is a consuming fire. Now, I'm going to close by saying this. God is going to shake everything. And you may be feeling the shaking now because he wants you to know that you can only survive it by being built upon him. He is a consuming fire. So we worship him here, we find, with reverence and awe. In other words, we come into your presence, Lord. We love you. We are in awe of what you're doing. And we honor you and we worship you. Teach us 
how to live peaceably so that we will not be shaken. Live with peace. That's my prayer for you today. That's my hope for you today, that you know the Lord, that you live peaceably, and you can not be shaken when the troubles come. Let me pray for you. Lord, we do sense in our heart that we are living in very difficult days. And I think, Lord, many people around the world are coming to the understanding, realization that we are in for some difficult times. So, Lord, teach us how to stand when the when the waves are crashing, when the thunder's banging around us in the gloom and doom, teach us, Lord, to stand on the rock of ages, to go to the light that shines into the darkness, to come to you, Christ, for hope, for grace in time of trouble. We love you, Jesus, and we're so glad you called us to be part of your family. In Christ we pray, amen.